Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly brand building and brand strategy podcast to help you unlock your brand's potential, stand out from the competition, and create impact. There are a lot of great examples of rebrands that have gone really well. And whilst these are great for inspiration, you can actually learn quite a bit more from the rebranding failures and why they went wrong. And with that in mind, here are six rebranding failures and what made them fail. Tropicana. So this has been dubbed the worst rebrand of all time by some. And back in 2009, Tropicana spent over 20 million on rolling out its new rebranded campaign. And within a few days, customers were complaining on social media about the new rebrand. And not only did they not like the rebrand, and they'd removed the familiar Tropicana look from the packaging, but customers were actually struggling to find it in the store because they couldn't instantly see it from what they had in their memory of what Tropicana looked like on the packaging. They were walking straight past it and they couldn't find it. And this was due to the removal of the iconic orange with the straw in it. So on the new packaging, they'd taken that away and replaced it with a glass full of orange juice. And this just completely confused their audience. Now, in just two months, sales of Tropicana dropped by 20%, and this meant the Tropicana reverted back to their previous packaging. Key takeaway from this rebranding failure, don't underestimate the connection that your audience has with your brand. And when rebranding, make sure you know what your audience identifies as your brand. So whether that's visually, whether that's through messaging, whether that's through the packaging, make sure you understand what your audience connects with on those designs. So updating that brand can be done sensitively. Gap. So in 2010, after a drop in sales, the global retailer decided to rebrand its 20 year visual identity. Now this rebrand was later called the Gapgate phenomenon. Now Gap rolled out this visual identity and this rebrand across all of its stores seemingly overnight. So it left their audience really confused because it happened without anyone's knowledge. There was no prior warnings. There wasn't any sort of press around it. They just changed it. So it left all their audience really confused and they were confused about the new direction as well because it had moved from traditional to a more contemporary feel. And for a lot of their audience, that switch from traditional to contemporary was such a massive jump considering the fact that that Gap logo had been installed in their conscious in their lives for 20 years, that such a shift like that was too much for them to take. And this new visual identity only lasted four days and it cost a reported 100 million for the actual overall rebrand. Key takeaway from this Gap rebranding failure, always consider the reason for your rebrand. A lack of strategy costs Gap in this instance and also confuse their audience and their long-standing customers. And similarly to Tropicana, by removing, or in this case reducing, the key graphical hook that users were used to, so in this case the blue box, they severed connection with their audience and the brand. Pepsi. So in 2008, Pepsi decided to rebrand a visual identity and a logo that had pretty much stayed the same bar a few minor tweaks since the late 70s. Now the concept behind the new logo was meant to represent a smile. So in between the red and the blue kind of waves on the logo was a wider white wave, which was meant to represent a smile. Now this was really hard to make out and it was only through someone pointing it out who'd actually done the rebrand that you could see this and make it out at all. And Forbes noticed that all the different products had different size smiles on it, which isn't great for consistency. Now, after the release of this new rebrand, not only was a backlash from customers on social media 
and especially a lot of designers, but also they lost a lot of market share. And the font that they decided to pair with the logo was a very strange choice considering that the blockier font they used to use was actually quite a good differentiator from the Coke script font. But this new font, this new thin line sort of modern font, quite rounded, just didn't feel right with the Pepsi brand. Now, unlike Tropicana and Gap, this rebrand is actually still being used by Pepsi and it cost about one million pounds to do. Key takeaway from the Pepsi rebranding failure, don't forget where you come from as a brand, your heritage and your traditions, and also don't forget who you're competing against because the idea is to kind of make sure you have a very distinctive visual identity, you are your own thing. But also, if there's been a history and a heritage there, you do not want to throw that all out with a rebrand or change it up so much that you anger your customer. The Sci-Fi Channel. So in 2009, the Sci-Fi Channel rebranded its visual identity along with a slight name change. And they changed the name from Sci-Fi, as in S-C-I-F-I, -I, to Sci-Fi or Sci-Fi as S-Y-F-Y. And I was lucky enough recently to sit down with brand naming expert Alexandra Watkins, whose book Hello My Name Is Awesome is all about brand naming. And she's worked with some of the biggest brands in the business and also has worked for Ogilvy and a few other companies to do with brand naming and messaging. And I sat down with her for a few podcasts to watch this space. And one of the things that we talked about and what she covers in the book is brand names that only work if you see them. So if someone said to you, you need to search for the sci-fi channel online, then you would write sci-fi as in the way that it has been presented for decades with regards to popular culture. If you're working at the sci-fi channel and someone called up and said, oh, what's your web address? And you said to them, oh, it's sci-fi.com. You'd have to spell it out to them. You'd have to say it's sci-fi, but we spell it syfy.com. So not putting that planning in beforehand is gonna cost them so much time over the next however many years they have that name as it is just trying to fix the mistake of changing that brand name to something that is spelt differently to how it sounds. They also decided to remove the Saturn icon that was with the previous logo, which would have given anyone who was not familiar with the channel half a chance at least to figure out that SYFY with a Saturn was sci-fi. But you remove the Saturn away from it and now you've got some people, think about some older people who are looking at this channel or seeing it come up in a magazine or seeing it on TV as an advert and they think of it as Siffy. It's the Siffy channel. And not only did they remove the Saturn icon and the sort of the flat text that they had, they created it into a 3D looking logo, which was a really strange approach. It reminded me of things like moon landings and stuff like that, which is probably a good thing but not a lot of people would have seen that connection if they didn't know what the brand was all about. And it also turns out SYFY in Poland is a synonym for an STD. So I don't know if they'll be watching that channel in Poland. Key takeaway from the sci-fi channel rebranding failure, make sure you think about your brand name from every angle possible, not just from the visual identity. To think about how it sounds when you're talking about it, think about how it would sound if someone had to recite it in an email address or on the website. These things are really important when it comes to brand naming. And go and get the book, Hello, My Name is Awesome by Alexandra Watkins, because that will teach you all about brand naming and the pitfalls of what you can come up against if you don't think about it beforehand. Leeds United Football Club. In 2018, Leeds United Football Club unveiled their new club crest, and this almost instantaneously created a huge amount of fan backlash online. So much so, that they created a petition to boycott the new logo and club crest. 
and amassed 77,000 signatures. It didn't take long for Leeds United to see this PR nightmare that was happening in front of their eyes and the connection that their fans were losing with the club that not only they had gone to, but probably generations of their family had been going to. And they reverted back to their previous crest and did a refresh on that and kept the traditional heritage in that crest as opposed to a full change of that club crest. Key takeaway from the Leeds United rebranding failure, don't mess with heritage, especially in sports clubs with highly passionate supporters. Unless you have a really good reason to do a full overhaul of the club crest, maybe there's been a name change, maybe the club's actually moved location or they've changed direction, it's not wise changing too much of that crest. You can do an evolution on it, you can refresh it, you can move it forward, but a complete overhaul is not wise to do, especially when you have a club that has supporters with multi-generational supporting families. Royal Mail. In 2001, Royal Mail decided to completely rebrand so it changed its name and its visual identity to Consignia. Now the word consign actually matches really well with what Royal Mail does. The problem was nobody would understand that. I had to look it up and it's not that obvious on what it actually means. On top of that, the history of the Royal Mail is actually goes back to 1516 with the first use of that name in the 1600s. So this is a brand that stands for security, tradition, and steadfastness and actually has survived countless wars and changes throughout the history of the United Kingdom. And it's actually part of the fabric of the United Kingdom. Now, a lot of people, especially the older generations, had looked to the Royal Mail as a form of tradition and something they could rely on, something that was always gonna be there for them, something that was part of the institution of the country. So when the name change happened, it effectively erased all of that connection with this brand because no one understood what the new brand stood for. And it was a completely different name. So it would mean having to rebuild all those connections, all those memories of Royal Mail stood for and what they remember from their, their whole entire life really of dealing with the Royal Mail had to be put onto something else and it just wasn't done effectively. And after just one year, they switched back to the Royal Mail and that's what they're still known as today. Key takeaway from the Royal Mail rebranding failure. If your brand has survived countless numbers of wars and a few economic crises in its time, do not throw away all that heritage in one go. We've just put together a weekly brand tip video series, which is designed to help you to unlock your brand's potential and stand out from the competition. And if you're interested, if you just go to elementsbrandmanagement, or one word, .co.uk forward slash weekly hyphen brand hyphen tips, sign up and you'll be delivered a three to five minute video a week straight to your inbox. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to receive more, you can subscribe in all the usual places. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Please, if you get a chance, rate and review. It helps a podcast to kind of get a bit more visibility and allows us to keep on producing these podcasts. Have a great week. Catch up soon. Keep those brands unified. Brand